hockey is officially back. Like, this is the day we've been waiting for. Obviously, they're not taking the ice just yet, but now we know. We can stop speculating for obviously talking about, like, obviously COVID's still going on, but let's just have this day to celebrate. Hockey is back. Welcome to the Odd Man Rush podcast. This is episode seven, episode five of the team podcast. I'm Jared McCabe. Kaden through Zoom. What's up, man? Finally. Finally is correct. It has come back. I am so happy about this. And since March 11th, since the Rangers' last game against Colorado when they lost that game in overtime, I have been waiting. I have been doing everything I can to get hockey back. Or not everything I can, but I've been doing everything to keep my mind occupied on hockey, whether it's playing NHL, whether it's playing hockey outside, or it's watching the games on the NHL app. By the way, they're all free. Go take a watch if you miss hockey. <laughs> no, yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> I did the same thing, too. It's back. And while we don't know times, we know officially that we announced it last week, but the NHL officially announced it that Edmonton and Toronto are the two hub cities. It wasn't confirmed. It wasn't announced by Bob McKenzie or – Elliot Friedman, it was announced by Gary Bettman in the NHL itself, which means guarantee it's not going to change. Because you've seen reports that they always going to be, you saw reports earlier in the year, earlier in the whole making process, process, (laughs) that Vegas was going to be one of the key cities, and then it fell out. And you also saw rumors that Vancouver was going to be a key hub city, and then it fell out. And it came down to Toronto and Edmonton, and Toronto was even looked at as not being a potential hub city at all. So the east is going to the the east is going to Toronto and the west is going to Edmonton and from what I remember all conference final games will be played in Edmonton along with the Stanley Cup final. So that's a little preview, but before we start, obviously today is the Washington Capitals. We're going to Washington DC to talk about the Capitals. It's been a really shaky year for them in their terms. Um, Same thing, we'll recap the season. We'll talk about their storylines. Caden will give us their key additions and key subtractions. Team MVP has been a very hot topic for this show. Caden doesn't know who mine is because I'm telling you, some Capitals fans may agree with me. I'm guaranteeing you half of the NHL people that listen to our show, like fans, are going to kill me for it, but it's just my opinion. But I think most Capitals fans will agree with mine. Um, we got surprise, disappointments, biggest win, biggest loss. And then we have our final question to be to wrap up the show. And then we got a couple announcements to talk about at the end of the show, but that will be at the end of the show. But like we always do, we're going to go around the league. So today, I, I wanted to mention quick, before you say MVP, I don't know yours. I think you know mine. We can both agree that it was Alex Ovechkin this year. But like past times, you want to give it, we want to give some other players who we like. We uh, like, I think nationwide or even team wide agree that Ovechkin could be team MVP. But we want to give love to other players who we and I, in our eyes, thought was MVP. We did the same thing with, I think it was the Rangers. We wanted to give a, 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 a shout out to a surprise player. And this time we're giving a shout out to a new MVP. I'm just going to say this yes, Ovechkin in a lot of people's eyes, would be MVP. But I could truly argue that my person was easily the MVP 
because of the way their season went. But we're going to save that for when we get to that topic. Today, like we always do, we're going to go to Around the League. And this is probably the most exciting Around the League we've had <laughs> because hockey's officially back. But obviously, we don't know. COVID can take its course and God forbid it just Canada's numbers skyrocket again. But we have hockey. The announcement came last night around 6 o'clock Eastern time last night. So first, I'll kind of start with this. We got some dates. So July 13th, which is on Monday, training camps open. July 26th is the big day when the teams travel to their respective hub cities. The 20th to the 30th are exhibition games to kind of get their feet wet, kind of get their feet under, under them. And then the big day, August 1st, is the Stanley Cup qualifier. So I'm going to stop right there for now because at the Stanley Cup qualifying, they came up with important things that the NHL announced, and one of them is stats. These, all these stats that are played during the qualifying rounds will count towards playoff records. So whatever happens during those rounds onto the playoffs to the Stanley Cup final, they're all going to count as one as Stanley Cup playoff number stats. Caden, what did you think of that when you saw that? Um, I like it. Uh, it gives a lot of time. It gives a lot of chance for players to boost their playoff stats, and um, it kind of hurts for players like Ovechkin, who's trying to reach that thousand goal mark. So say say if Caps go all the way this year and he scores like twenty twenty five goals. It's going to count as a playoff. Yeah, but just remember, though, they were a top team, so they were already in the playoffs, so the qualifying yeah. round didn't really matter. Yeah, or a, or a team like just get like or like the Islanders, who are just barely in at five, and say if Matt Barzell wants to get those numbers up and he wants to get to a thousand points, those are going to all count as the playoffs, and he's going to have to restart that grind to a thousand points next season. But other than that, it's a good idea. I think that it's the best idea. This is no longer regular season hockey. And I like what they're doing. It's designed set for five te- for the team that they're playing. So it's I like the idea of uh, it counting towards the playoffs and not towards regular season. And the other thing that's very important to remember is they came with the CBA agreement. So they have full labor peace for the next five years. And that's big because many leagues want to try to get their CBAs done before the deal actually runs up and then there's always issues when it doesn't. And then there's always sometimes a possibility of stoppage in play, a work stoppage, but NHL doesn't have to worry about that. And what's officially announced is Olympic hockey's back. So we're excited about that for the next two years when the Olympic winter Olympics happen. And this is going to be big, which we'll talk about when we get closer to talking about like our disappointments and stuff. Cause I think it can really tie into they agreed to the flat cap, so that could hurt a lot of teams that have cap crunches. It stays at 81500 and I believe the only time they can really change it, they can, they'll use different types of formulas that they've used in the past to get their salary cap. I believe they have to hit $4.8 billion in revenue until they can finally escalate the cap to a bigger number. So that's going to affect a lot of teams. That's going to affect my lightning. It's going to affect the San Jose Sharks. It's going to affect a lot of guys, a lot of teams, I should say, that are really up against the cap. So whoever has a really good GM that can maneuver the cap is really going to take advantage of this. The teams that are up against the cap but have a GM that's always had tough maneuvering the cap is going to really struggle. 
And then August 10th is phase two of the NFL, NHL draft lottery. That's going to be really exciting. We can finally see who that mystery team is who gets the sweet stakes of Alexis Lafreniere. August 11th, mark your calendar. First round begins. 25th, second round. Conference finals begin September 8th to 22nd. The Stanley Cup final begins. And then they're saying October 4th is the last possible day of finals. So that could be a game seven on October 4th. And then for now, they're saying October 9th and 10th is the NHL draft. So those are all the key important dates. If you want to see those dates, you can go onto the NHL social media pages and they have it there. So there's the calendar, Caden. We have it. Any other thoughts that you have? <laughs> I remember us talking about this. I think it was yesterday or two days ago talking about the flat cap. Uh, and you're mentioning how camp was in a tough situation because they, like, when Steve Geiserman was still GM, he, as, you, as you like to coin the term, he gave out no movement clauses like candy. And he also gave out big – he gave out bridge deals, but he gave out big money bridge deals. And when you guys have to sign players like Sergeyev coming up, point, I think, this year or next he'd have, year? He'd have two years left. It's Sorelli, Sergeyev, and Zarnak. Zarnak. So, definitely going to want – in my opinion, out of those three players, you're going to want to keep – Mikhail Sergeyev. And you might not agree because you, you guys have a lot of good defensemen in the pipeline. Like Cal Foot is a big one that comes to mind. Uh, I think Sergeyev would be the best option. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, Anthony Sorelli is an RFA. Mm-hmm. So that's they're, they're, both, they're all three of them are RFA, so that's what makes it interesting. So that's good that you can get some that at least if you guys uh, do lose one of them, you're going to get picks back for them. And that's what I love about the RFA situation. Happened last year with Montreal trying to sign Ajo and to no avail. So if you're a Lightning fan and you have an account to The Athletic, really recommend. Joe Smith covers the lightning for theathletic.com. He came out with a really interesting article talking about different types of uh, deals that they could do under this flat cap. I recommend it's a great read, and that's basically where I quote tweeted. It said, just, just gave me PTSD because it just reali- I just realized how many, like, no-move tra- uh, clauses that Eisenman used to throw out, like, candy. So, And uh, you also yeah. mentioned that <laughs> You also mentioned that Killorn, after I think this season, knocks into a 16 modified no trade clause. Yeah, so how, how Joe Smith broke it down, which was a really great article. He talked about, and I kind of already knew this going in, but basically what's going to happen is the Lightning go right up against the cap and they want to keep, they want to try to sustain this roster as much as possible because they've known they've been so close, but yet so far raising that cup. So what they're going to have to do, you have to try to keep all three if you can because there are three big guys that are part of the team. There's likes of Alex Kalorn. If you can net a second-round pick for him, you absolutely have to trade him. I know that sucks to say as a Lightning fan because he's been so great this year, but it only makes sense because you you can get a great amount on the dollar 
for Alex Kalorn because he had a career year this year. So if you can at least net a second round pick, you absolutely do it. You clear up a lot of a lot of money from there. And like at the end of the season, like Caden said, it turns into a modified 16 team no move clause. Again, you can still negotiate with teams that are on that list, but he can determine if he wants to go or not. But at least you still have freedom to move him. Andre Palat has a full no trade clause. So that's another thing. He's another guy that could be traded. Tyler Johnson has a full no trade clause. He could be, he could determine where he wants to go as well. But maybe if there's a team that's willing to offer you some good picks or maybe a small rookie skater as well, and they give the opportunity to Tyler Johnson to play top six line minutes because he's been playing bottom, bottom line minutes. That's another big thing too. So if Tyler Johnson could look at them and say, if this team's really looking to put me at first or second line, I'm absolutely taking it. And a little hint for everyone, I believe if he stays with the Bolts, he gets selected by Seattle because he's a Seattle kid. And I think that's someone that Seattle would want to build around or at least just kind of have a face of a franchise for right now. Obviously not saying he's that type, but like you have a kid that's homegrown in Seattle, that would be good there. And finally, Yanni Gord. Uh, I was excited when the contract happened. I'll be the first to admit it, but the way he's been playing, the way he finished the season was good. But the play up to that, he was not playing to the amount of money that he's making. He's making at least second line money when he plays third to fourth line, mostly fourth line. So that's another guy you could look to be traded. But obviously this isn't about the Lightning. Their show's coming up soon. So we'll get more into that as we go into that show. Obviously this is the Washington Capitals. So we have the bracket. We've known the bracket. Game times are still being decided for the league for those games but for what we know hockey fans this is exciting 12 12 30 1 2 3 30 and the list goes on and on the times are going to be great it's going to be throughout the day that's really exciting so that's that so Kane, I guess when you're at work, you'll be listening to it. <laughs> oh, obviously. And the one thing about these face masks that we have to wear every day is that mine goes over my ears. I can keep my earbuds in and listen to hockey. But if I'm not mistaken, we have five total games being played on August 1st. Rangers, Carolina, Panthers, Islanders. I know Calgary and Winnipeg is in there. And the last two, I can't remember. I know it's another. I know it's another East team. Most haven't been announced yet, so it's kind of just wait and see. But I did see some reports of some game times, but most of them haven't really been announced. So yeah. I really, I really don't know how that's going to work. But that's kind of how it's going on that. So we have the times, 12 p.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m., 6.30, 8 p.m., and 10.30. So those are the times. And lastly, about this whole thing, until we jump into the New Jersey Devils news, is NHL award winners will be revealed during the conference finals, format and date to be decided. The finalists start getting announced Tuesday and will follow this schedule. So July 14th would be the Ted Lindsay, the Calder Memorial Trophy, and Jack Adams would be July 15th. July 16th would be Bill Masterson, Memorial Trophy, and Lady Bing. July 17th, Venza and Willie O'Ray, Community Hero Award, the Selkie, and the James Norris on July 20th. 
and the 21st would be the Hart Trophy. That's all from uh, Chris, Jan- Chris Johnson on Twitter. He headlines Hockey United Canada, senior hockey writer for Sportsnet. So that's with all the hockey news that came out yesterday. Again, we're excited. Um, and we're just really excited to see sports come back in general. So finally, in around the league, the New, Jer- New Jersey Devils think they found their man and head, and head coach, well, assistant coach for the Rangers. They're stealing him from their rival. Uh, Lindy Ruff is coming to New Jersey as we're on Zoom currently, and Caden's just doing some type of dance move because you know how Ranger fans are. Anytime someone hires one of their guys, they pretend that they were horrible, and they go, oh, I'm so glad he's gone. So, Caden, you have the floor. What do you think New Jersey's getting from Lindsey Ruff? All right. All right. So, most of you might know that Lindy Ruff was head coach for the Dallas Stars uh, for a good while. I think it was from the 08 season to the 15-16 season, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) But... Um, uh, for one thing with Lindy Ruff, give him props that he made Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo stars this year. Made them stars. And he also made Ryan Lindgren a, a pretty great star as well. But one thing that kind of ticks my boxes is that he was not a good defensive coach. He just straight up was not a good defense coach. He's a head coach for a reason. And with getting rid of him, it gives uh, another option. I think from what I read, the Rangers have found their new assistant um, man, assistant coach to take over Ruff's, Ruff's spot, and it's someone that David Quinn likes a lot. Uh, but for now, with Lindy Ruff being gone, he's also they've also announced that Lindy Ruff will not be joining the Rangers for this uh, qualifying round and possible playoff run that will be taken up by AHL associate coach Gord Murphy, who was on the bench with uh, Hartford Wolfpack, and he was part of Chris Knobloch's uh, coaching staff, which the Hartford Wolfpack, the Wolfpack played fantastic hockey this season as well, and no short um, order work and order thanks to their players, and especially to head coach Chris Knobloch. But uh, I give all I, I give all my best, Lindy Ruff. He was there for I think a, a rough seventeen eighteen season. He was there for the nineteen twenty season. He was he was there for I think three years, if I'm not mistaken. But all the best, Lindy. But I will personally drive you to New Jersey myself. Wow, those sound like some fighting words. Fighting words, Lindy. Fighting you, Lindy. Uh. For my take on this, a couple of things. Number one, uh, maybe New Jersey found their guy. We don't know, but they've been trying to find their guy for years now. It always just seems like one of the New York teams are trying to find a new head coach every single year. But apparently New Jersey has found their coach. But I'll say this. They were, I I think, I don't know if I'm 100% on this, but they were definitely the one team that I knew was looking for a head coach once the season ended. Oh. So I think they're the only one in the running for, a team in the running for any head coach opening spot for a team. So my only concern is if you're the only team, you have, like, this has to be the guy. This has to work out because you were the only team that had a job opening 
And plus, with the pause and the qualifying rounds going on, you have an advantage, an advantage to hire the guys you want, not hire, to interview the guys you want to interview and then come away with the best candidate. Maybe he was their best candidate. That's what I'm assuming. And obviously, COVID doesn't allow you to get into the building, the facilities, unless, I don't know New Jersey's rules, to be honest with you, but if they weren't allowed to go and meet in a facility, obviously, it'd probably be through Zoom and other things, technologies that we have. But with everything that's going on, where you're the only team that has a job opening, and you can take advantage of taking it day by day, interviewing almost up to 100 candidates if you wanted to, you just got to hope that this works out if you're a Devil's fan because with the qualifying round, you have the advantage of interviewing any person on the planet. So at the end of the day, I guess you sh- if you're a Devil's fan, I'm not going gonna, not gonna to put lipstick on a pig and say that I know this guy, that I know like what he's going to bring to this team. I have no idea. You just hope that he can, put, he can bring players together, make them better. And I'll give, I'll give him credit too. Look at Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo. So if you're Will Butcher and any of the guys that play defense for the New Jersey Devils, you should be very excited. So that was around the week. One so last now, thing. What? I want to mention one last thing. The Devils did interview Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviette. Uh, Gallant just straight up refused. Gallant just straight up said, I don't want to come to New Jersey. Laviette was asking for too much money, so Landry Ruff was their third guy. That was the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into See, so that, that can be concerning. Yeah. That can be concerning. That's what I mean by you had this whole time. And obviously, top three is fine. You got your third guy, but you didn't get your first guy or your second guy. To me, that can be a little concerning. But again, sometimes the smaller head coaches that don't, know, that don't get a lot of press in the league when they're somewhere else, maybe at the end of the day, this will help so now, officially, around now. the league is over. Now we're going to go straight to the Washington Capitals. The uh, reason why we're doing Washington Capitals again is because a couple of people reached out and said they wanted to hear a Washington Capitals episode. So I'm a man of the people. I'll do what they ask, and I'm loyal to our listeners. So, again, we'll push Tampa Bay back a little bit. And, again, we have an announcement coming up at the end of the show. So recap. Washington played 69 games, won 41 of those, 20 losses, eight overtime losses, which equals up to 90 points. You can look at the record. It's a record that you're normally not, in my opinion, again, Capitals fans could have other opinions, but I think these are numbers that we normally don't see from Washington. They're normally a top-of-the-pack type team, bigger numbers than that, but that's fine. That's the Washington Capitals record. Goals, not surprising. Ovechkin took that lead and ran with it. He has 48 goals. T.J. Oshie came in second with 26. My favorite capital, Jacob Verana, came in with 25, ran it out the goals. Uh, assists, your defensive player, John Carlson, led with 60, and he ran away with that as well. Backstrom, 42. Kuznetsov with 33. And points, again, John Carlson was the best player on this team. Your, defense, your defender led with all points with 75. Uh, edging Alex Ovechkin, he had 67. And Backstrom had 54. So those are, that's the recap, and those are the stats with the Washington Capitals. So the storylines going into the playoffs and talking about the pause. Washington had a shaky season. There's no other way to put it. 
they were a team that we're normally seeing that just runs away with their uh, division and their conference. But this year, they, they were on and off. It was like an on and off light switch. One week, they were crazy. The other week, they just didn't deserve to be on the ice against their opponent. It, just one of, it was one of those years that you just were like, what are you going to get from the Washington Capitals on a daily basis? I remember my friend from college, we would be watching a couple of the games and we'd just be like, we're not winning. The, we're not even making the playoffs because we just have been so bad during this one stretch. And I'm like, just take, we'll keep it calm. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I looked at everything. I watched most of the games. They didn't look like the normal Capitals team that we're normal to seeing. But obviously, they are the third team, the best, the third, one of the third best teams in the league because they are in the playoffs currently. They can reseed to one or to four, um, but we'll see how that goes. But the Capitals, in my opinion, they were just an on and off shaky team. You don't know what what team we're getting on a night to night basis. Again, you're not always going to be great because this is an aging roster. Let's not let's not lie about that. Ovechkin's not getting any younger. Backstrom's not getting any younger. Uh, oh, she's still young, so I'll give him that. Um, Verona. Verona's very young. So, all in all, the capital season was very shaky, very interesting. And these are just a couple questions that I thought of that could be interesting. Uh, out of the most out of most teams of Washington, this was probably – the pause was probably the best thing for Washington because, like I said, they were shaky all year. And will that give them confidence going into the playoffs? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, with the pause, you get Ovi rested. Will he be refreshed and ready to go? Will his stick be ready to score 50 goals in the playoffs? Because <laughs> honestly, with Ovechkin, anything is possible. And this one's the most probably just depressing, disappointing one if you're a Capitals fan. Is this Holtby's last run with the Capitals in the playoffs? Like we mentioned earlier, the flat cap is implemented this offseason. And obviously with COVID, you don't know how much revenue you're taking in. You don't know how much money you're making. So maybe you could take a nice one-year deal to go back with Washington and hoping next year fans could be in the stands and revenue hits about $4.8 billion in revenue. So then the cap goes up and then you can get your contract. But again, he ain't getting younger either. So it all depends on which team's willing to give their goaltender at least $10 million because that's what Bobrovsky got. And I'm sure Holpe's going to either want to top that or even get better numbers than that. And he can go right to the negotiation table and said, look what I did in 27 and 2018. So that's the storylines. Caden, did you have anything to add to that? Um, I don't really have anything to mention to that except for the thing about Holpe. It could be, and I know you've told me about um, some of your friends in the past who said that they want Samsonov to be their starter. Uh, I agree, and I think you're going to talk about Holt. I think you're going to talk about Holtby later, but I'm just going to quickly mention some yeah, stats. He's a career 2.53 goal against average and a career 9.16 save percentage. This year, he was 25-14 and six with a 3.11 goals against and an 8.97, which is around average. But when you when you have a career average of 9.7, that's a career that's an average about all goaltenders. Uh, when you're a career 916 save percentage and you're knocking 897 this year, that's not good. That's just not good. On the other hand, uh, in his first year, but I think he only played 26 games, so I think next year he will be in running for the Rookie of the Year trophy. 
along with Rangers rookie goaltender Igor Shesterkin, and I think if the Islanders bring him up, their rookie goaltender. Uh, but Samsonov went 16, 6, and 2. He had a 255 goals against and a 913 save percentage. And this kid's only 23 years old. Compared to Holtby, who's off the top, he's, he's, 30, he's 30 years old. Holtby's 30 years old, and you got a, a young, seven year, years younger. I think Samsonov is the future. And I, and if you look at the uh, you look at the future like you even look at Pittsburgh with having the problem of Murray and Flurry, I think the same thing happens. You have the problem of Samsonov and Holtby, and I think Holtby gets taken by Seattle if he's still there at the time. And wanted to mention this because I forgot to mention. I just remembered the reason why too the Capitals season was just very shaky was they limped into the All Star break on a seven game losing streak. You just don't see that with the Capitals. You just don't. So that was the recap and storylines going into the playoffs. So like every show, Caden gives us his key additions and key subtractions. Caden, take it away. All right. So uh, usually there's a big addition for the Capitals every year. I know. In the 17-18 season, they added Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, this year, they had a couple. They had a couple big ads in the off season. They added Radko Gudis from Philadelphia and a one-for-one trade for Matt Niskanen. Uh, as we mentioned in the Colorado Avalanche episode, they subtracted Andre Burakovsky. Then they also got rid of Chandler Stevenson uh, to trades. Stevenson went to Vegas. Uh, Brett Connolly was another one that he signed in Florida for four years. Uh, and then no other signings, no other big signings. It's uh, two big subtractions. Devontae Smith-Kelly, he traveled over to Russia to play in the KHL. Uh, Dmitry Yaskin, also signed to play in the KHL. And the big one, their defenseman, Brooks Orprick, announced his retirement. While additions, as I mentioned, Radko Gudis, they also added at the deadline, Brendan Dillon, which was a big addition for them. I, I like Brendan Dillon on that uh, – Washington Capitals team. He's a good defensive defenseman. He's a good lockdown guy. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, who was added for a third-round pick. Uh, I, I like Kovalchuk, and I think I'm, I'm happy he's playing with Ovechkin and a chance to win a cup. He deserved to win a cup in New Jersey. And then he took his, he took his ball and left to the KHL. Uh, Richard Ponick signed a four-year deal at, uh, from the Coyotes. Another one, Garnet Hathaway, signed, I think it was a year from the Flames. Some key signings, and I'm going to talk about one in a little bit. Two in a little bit, actually. Uh, Christian Jew. Jews signed a one-year deal extension. Jacob Rana signed a two-year extension. And Nicholas Bastion signed a five-year extension. Uh, and in the draft, they added two key pieces, Connor McMichael and Brett Leeson. I like McMichael for this team, and I think in the next two, three years, he will be uh, playing the Washington Capitals. Before we move on, that backstrom extension. Whew, that's interesting, but I'm sure we'll, you'll be getting into that very soon. So the topic, the segment that I teased in the beginning, team MVP. I'll save mine for the second. I'll let you go first because – Mine's just, I don't know, people will either love me or hate me. I don't know. But, Caden, I'll start with you. Your team MVP and why? 
so I mentioned earlier that it could easily be Ovechkin, but I wanted to give love to another player who really stood up this season. Uh, John Carlson is my team MVP. That ain't giving love. That's just saying, like, he was their best player, which I understand. But, again, I'm just going to stick with my guy that I have. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, uh, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he, um, and one thing to mention about this shortened season, you could easily – he could have easily scored more goals, gotten more assists, and gotten more points. That's with every player coming up. So John Carlson in 69 games had 15 goals, 60 assists for 75 points. Career best year. He tied a career best in goals, had a career high in assists, and a career high in points. I always mention the penalty minutes. He had 26 penalty minutes this season. He played uh, about 24 minutes and 38 seconds total time on ice for a whole game and for the whole season. He had 42 takeaways for 80 giveaways. Most likely, next to Victor Hedman, it's going to be running between those two to be the James Norris, um, the James Norris trophy winner, best defenseman in the league. One big thing I want to mention is uh, he had 24 assists on the power play. That's just a – I, I have no words for that. That's elite level. <laughs> That's elite level. Uh, while the age might be a problem, he's 30 years old. He's still got a good five, six years left in him, I think. Um, but one thing to mention that he was electric for the Capitals this whole season. He played such good hockey. Easily the best defenseman for the Capitals. And, argue, and in my opinion, arguably their best player. And one thing I want to mention is that uh, it's kind of like for me, I had him on my fantasy hockey team, and he put up points constantly. And that just when – I, when I check my team every day, he put up a point at least every game. He did. Who just, who, who just went back-to-back, back though, in the fantasy league? I don't know. Some guy that's talking right now. I think that'd be me, but <laughs> – We'll get to, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get you next year. Okay. Uh, he had over a point per game. And one thing I want to mention is that he could have easily eclipsed point career highs. He could have had at least 20 goals if the season finished out. He could have had at least 70 assists if the season finished out, and he could have at least had maybe 90 points, which is just amazing. And you wonder, with only having 24 power play assists, how many he would have had if the season had finished out. He's my MVP solely because fantastic defenseman, and not only is he looked at as an offensive defenseman, but he really plays like a two-way. He plays lock. He plays lockdown hockey when he needs to play it, and he can also be your go-to power play scorer. He's your power play quarterback. He's my. He's my MVP. So I can really. So I can really finish that list. Hey everybody, <laughs> I'd like to make a formal announcement of my team MVP. Oh, Most people wouldn't think of this guy as being an MVP. But when I watched hockey, when I watched their brand of hockey, I watched them play. Everyone's blindsided to Alexander Ovechkin, John Carlson, um, TJ Oshie, sometimes Holtby if he's on if he's on a tear that year. But easily, easily their best player this year was third line center Lars Eller. Uh, I- 
what? Yeah, what? Um, he's a third-line center, so most people outside of Washington don't even know where he's from, doesn't even know who he is, unless they're just a hockey savant, you know who Lars Eller is, but most people don't. But the Capitals fans will, and either they're agreeing with me right now or they're just laughing in my face right now. But I think most of them would agree after I basically make my debate of why he's the MVP. So, like I said, he's a third-line guy that most people don't know about, and he doesn't get the spotlight because he's a third-line guy when he plays with guys like Alexander Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, and so on and so forth. But he is a 30-year-old center that the anchor of the third line or any line, and he's a valuable asset you need to win a Stanley Cup. He plays in all situations against other teams' top lines, the penalty kill on the power play, even during like on a six on uh, on a six on five or five on six at four on four or even in overtime. He's his line is constantly up against the other team's best line every single time. Take Eller off this team, there are gaping holes on this Capitals team. Who are you putting in at third line center to do what he's doing just on this team? I'm not saying go to someone others, some other team and take someone off that team. I'm talking about on the Capitals right now. Who are you putting there that's going to do what Lars Eller does? Nobody. Nobody. He's a top six forward. He signed a five-year, $3.5 million annually uh, contract in 2018. And that's a good third-line center money there. So you'll have him for the next five years. That's key for the Capitals. Let's talk about his line mate, shall we? He plays with Carl Hagelin, who's not that young, and he's playing with Richard Ponick, okay? Those are two guys that aren't going to scare any team on the ice. Nobody. They're not going to scare him. But he makes this third line powerful, powerful. His final stats were 16 goals for 23 assists, and he topped his record with 39 points. That's his record. His previous was 38, but his record now is 39. He's putting those numbers up when he plays alongside Carl Hagelin and Richard Puddock. Now people are probably thinking, well, who was his previous line mates? Clearly it's just a one-year thing, blah, blah. He played with Brett Connolly and Andre Burvakoski the last couple of years before they exited Washington. Still put up the same constant numbers, but he had to carry this line because he played with Carl Hagelin and Richard Pottick. Not saying they're horrible players, but he carries this line. He's a guy that goes, he plays, he plays, he gets on the ice, he blocks shots, he scores goals, he passes. He's an all-around great player. And like I said, if you take him off this team, there are gaping holes left and right. Fit that, I don't know what else I need to say. Um, he tied his career high in goals with 23, by the way. I forgot to mention that. But the last year he had these type of numbers was when they won the Cup. And you saw what happened at the end of the day. They, wrote, they raised that Cup in Vegas. So people can, people can look at the numbers of the other top five players on this team 
but Lars Eller deserves this credit. He deserves this because I can recall very uh, vaguely that when he played the when they played the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final, he was one of the guys that gave the Lightning a tough time, and he's going to do the same thing this playoffs. Lars Eller, my man, you are the team MVP. And at the end of this, people, again, can think I'm crazy or think that I'm actually spitting facts, which I'm spitting facts, but some people just don't understand that. They just want to take the easy way out and look at the, the top players on the team with the biggest stats. But when you break it down to a fine powder, you see that Lars Eller is easily the team MVP for the stuff he does for this team. So that's our team MVP. I want to mention the Vegas series. And if you might not remember this, but they won in game five because Lars Eller scored the game-winning goal. Exactly. Exactly. Like, well, again, that was with Connolly and Burakovsky on his line. So, again, some people would be like, oh, they didn't have Hagelin that year. Whatever. But he had the game-winning goal that year. And he deserves to be the MVP. And I always try to look beyond the stats, beyond everything. When you watch their film, you watch their games, you watch the way they play in the offensive zone. Eller is always front and center when it comes to the Capitals' major plays. So Lars Eller gets my vote for team MVP. Now we'll go to surprise. So I'll give myself a little break after that mini rant. Kaden, who's your surprise player? Uh, time for that rant. My surprise player is Jacob Brana. Uh, so Brana is a 23-year-old. He's a right winger for the Washington Capitals, and he just played fantastic hockey this whole season. Uh, in 69 games, he had 25 goals, 27 assists for 52 points, notching again all career highs. Uh, and as I mentioned with John Carlson, how many points would he have if this season finished out? He might have 30 goals. He might have 35 assists. And he could have around 60 to 70 points, which is fantastic. Uh, as I mentioned, penalty minutes, he had 18 penalty minutes uh, for 14.53 time on ice total. He played second line for the Capitals. Um, this season, he had his first career hat trick, not to mention, in a 4-2 win over the Flames on November 11th, 2019. Uh, and I mentioned his stats last, I mentioned that how he had a career high. Last year, he also had a career high. He had 82 games, 24 goals, 23 assists for 47 points, which was his career high at the time. Uh, and he played the full season. He had a 14.02 time on ice last season, so his time on ice went up by at least 51 seconds, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're playing hockey and you have these short shifts, that's, that's impressive for a 23-year-old forward. From watching Verona, and from what I know you've seen, he was just electric for this team. He's a fast skater, he's a great goal scorer, and he's someone that Washington's going to want to keep for a very, very long time. And it's fantastic for him that he's learning under Alexander Ovechkin, possibly the greatest goal scorer we will ever see he maybe is. the next 10 years. He maybe is. the next 10 years. 
and plus, and plus, don't forget, Verona's speed is a major factor. He is fast. He's fast. He's fast. So that's Kane's surprise player, Jacob Verona, uh, my favorite capital. I would, I would agree with him that he'd be the surprise player, but I want to kind of change it up. But again, uh, mine, I'm going with, I'm going with his team MVP player, uh, D-man, uh, John Carlson. He was my surprise. Um, so I'm not going to go too crazy about this because Kaden kind of already gave you the stats and stuff, but I'll just kind of center it around this. Uh, he's a defense. He's a defensive. He's a defensive piece on this team. He led the team in points. Okay, that's crazy. Number one, uh, he started the season off with a crazy uh, scoring pace, uh, but then he kind of trickled down at the end of the year, kind of slowed down. But that's what you're going to assume because his first couple of months, the way he started the season was just uncharacteristic for any player. You're just not going to keep up that pace. Every time you watched the Capitals game, you knew that you thought you would see a Carlson uh, point some way or another, score, or get an assist. It's just the way he played in the beginning of the year. And you can't always sustain that for the full season. So I'm not, that's not a knock on him. I'm just saying the scoring pace that he started off with the season was just crazy. I just remember my friend from college being like, did you see Carlson scored again? I'm like, really? Like, he's just... When is he not? Like, that, that was the point. It's basically what I, we kept on saying. Oh, my God, Carlson scored. Not a shocker. But um, he had 23 points in a span of 14 days. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, he finished with the most points, like I said, with 75. And that's a team that had Alexander Ovechkin on the team, TJ Osh- uh, Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, Jacob Verón, and so on and so forth. Uh, he had the most points on the D-men, like Caden said. The second, uh, Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators came right behind him. And then Victor Hedman rounded out the top three. And I found this stat, uh, which is brought to you by Washington NBC Sports. It was an article that I found that I want to give credit to where I found this stat. Uh, he was the first defenseman to reach 50 points in 40 games or fewer since Paul Coffey did it in 1994-95 season. So he put him up with historic numbers like Paul Coffey did. And my basically my final thing to wrap up the surprise, like I like to say on the show, put in a big bow, is can he wrap up this fantastic season with the Norris? That's the only question we want to know. Uh, would he get my vote? Probably. I love Victor Hedman. I love Roman Yossi. But if you put all this, all this, all the, uh, all three players' seasons together, I just think when you look at the impact that John Carlson had on this team, I think he could win Norris. I don't even think Victor Hedman wins it. I don't think he goes back to back. Roman Yossi does have an interesting debate when it comes to the Norris. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll definitely break that down in the Predators episode. But. He'd get my vote for the Norris, but that's the biggest question when it comes to John Carlson when it comes up to wrapping up the season. So he was my surprise player. Uh, disappointment player, Caden, who you got? So my disappointment player, and you might be a little bit shocked by this, is first line center, 32 year old Nicholas Baxter. No, I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Nicholas Baxter. Uh, so this season, Nicholas Backstrom, he missed eight games due to an injury, but he played 61 games, had 12 goals, 42 assists for 54 points. Uh, and you might say, okay, yeah, that's average. That's an average. That's an average. Uh, no, that's below average for him. Uh, before I get into everything else, uh, he had 14 penalty minutes last year and he averaged 19 minutes in a second. So he averaged about 19 minutes of time on ice. Um, 
And I mentioned in the key additions and subtractions, he signed a five-year, $46 million contract, which is worth 9.2 per season. So this will kick in once the season's over. He played first-line minutes, so he was playing with, I think, Oshie and Ovechkin, which is I mean, the best line he can play on, one of the best lines he can play on. But I want to go back to his stats. The 12 goals, 42 assists, and 54 points. This is the first time since the 2013-14 season Backstrom has not scored at least 18 goals. He has not had at least 50 assists, and he has not, le- he has not had at least 70 points. Every season since the 13-14 the season, he's had at least 70 points. He had at least 50 assists, and he scored at least 18 goals. So he is down below average, and that's not good. And when you're getting into the latter years of your, of your career – of 32 years old and you're you just had a five-year extension and you're barely putting up 15 goals and you're barely notching 60 points that's not good and at this moment i think that washington is definitely regretting the contract of nicholas backstrom but it all comes down to can he perform in the playoffs and that's what comes down for me i know that backstrom's a career playoff guy like a lot of players he's a good playoff guy but after that disappointment of a season, you really need him to bounce back. Obviously, he's one of their top players, so not every player is going to put up the same numbers that he did previous year. So I can give – we could give him a pass there that players will have down years. But now that they signed that extension to him, he's 32 years old. He's got to produce because if he doesn't produce, that contract's going to get ugly, and it's going to get uglier and uglier by the years go. Bye. So that's Caden's disappointment, centerman Nicholas Backstrom. My disappointment, I was between Nicholas Backstrom and this player, but I, I knew that Caden was going Backstrom, so I said I'll go Holpe. Uh, it's no question around it. Both of these guys were big disappointments, especially Holpe, knowing that he's going to become an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of this year. Again, he could re-sign, but it all depends on how the cap works for the Washington Capitals. Um, with the flat cap, they have to implement that. Maybe there will be a team that's willing to pay him big bucks at the end of the year, but I just don't see it with some of the revenues not going to be there because no players will be in the stands. But Holpe had a 25-14-6 record, like Caden said. And uh, he he had an ugly uh, .8, uh save percentage. And uh, this, was, this was a stat that I wanted to read to you guys from Hockey Reference. Uh, it's goals saved above average. Uh, basically, that's a measurement of the number of goals in particular games. Uh, that is That basically comes together as the save based on save percentage and shots against, uh, given the average of both of these categories across the league. And listen to this, Caden. He had an ugly uh, goals uh, saved above average, was an ugly negative 16 Point seventy six, and for people that don't know really where those numbers would rank or want to know where it would rank, think about this. Uh, only Detroit Red Wings goaltender Jimmy Howard had a negative 22.12, and that was the lowest rank among that metric that hockey is starting to really implement. That's ugly for a potential unrestricted free agent. But like we always say with these disappointments, 
at the end of the day, it was just a regular season. The pause happened, so everyone gets a nice little refresh, uh, fresh break where they can come back and maybe produce. If he produces and wins another Stanley Cup for them, this whole season will be forgotten and no one will even blink an eye about this season. But when you just have to talk about the regular season like we have to, he was ugly. Him and Backstrom were very ugly. But this is not what you'd want if you're an unrestricted free agent going into your walk year. But again, like I keep on saying, and I'll say it again, it's a flat cap. So anything's possible when it comes to Holtby in Washington. So this could potentially be his last run with the team, or he could resign and play a couple more years in Washington. So my disappointment was goaltender Brayden Holtby. So now the last three, we have biggest win, biggest losses, and then we have our final question to wrap up the show, and then we'll announce our little uh, announcements that we had. So, Caden, was, what was your biggest win for the Washington Capitals? Uh, my biggest win came on October 26, 2019. It was a comeback versus the Canucks. Uh, so, some things to mention about this game. They were down, but it was 2-1. to one after the first period, and then it was 5-1 going late into the second period. And with a second left, Kuznetsov starts to come back and makes it 5-2. And then it was a Washington-controlled third period. They had three goals, made it 5-5. And then they they won the game in the shootout by a score of 2-1, meaning they made a huge comeback against against Canucks 6-5. Uh, things to mention about this game, Carlson and Ovechkin both uh, had points this game to end pointless streaks coming into said game. Uh, Kuznetsov did have two goals, and so did Michael Kempany. Kempany had two goals as well. So th- I, I don't remember this game. I went back to watch it, and they were so out of it the first period and halfway to the second period until – Kuznetsov got that late goal. I thought that they were going to get blown out like maybe 7 1. I thought it was going to be bad. Like, like worse than 5 1. Uh, I really had not much else to say about it. It was a big comeback. Uh, they scored four in a row to tie it and a late goal in the second period from Kuznetsov to start that big comeback. Not to mention, Kuznetsov also had the first goal. So he had the first and the second goal, and then it was all Washington after that. So basically, we could call this the comeback segment because mine's also a comeback. Mine happened on January 5th, a 5-4 to four win in overtime versus the San Jose Sharks at home. Um, I'm going to keep this nice and sweet for everybody. Uh, basically, with a minute left to go, the San Jose Sharks thought they had the game wrapped up when Logan Couture uh, hit an empty net goal with a minute left to go in the game. And everyone started leaving Capital One Arena, thinking the game's over. But then Jacob Verana scored a goal, and then uh, scored a goal to make it 4-3. And then they won a face-off uh, 32 seconds later. TJ Oshi tied it at four. And then we have a game again. And then my man, Lars Eller, got the game-winning goal, 5-4. They won the game. Uh, Evander Kane had a massive game for the Sharks, scoring three goals for his second hat trick of the season. And that gave the Sharks a 3-2 lead, but then it went downhill from there. Um, at the end of the game, the records were Sharks were 19-21-4. The Caps were 29-95. Those were both records at the end of the game. 
So that was our comeback segment for our biggest win. Both were big comebacks. Mine was July, Jimmy, not July, January 5th, 5-4, to winning overtime versus the Sharks. Uh, if you have not seen those comebacks, go to YouTube, go to NHL.com, watch those comebacks. Uh, like two weeks ago, I knew we were going to probably do the Capitals because I had multiple people contact me about how they wanted to do the Capitals. They wanted to see a Capitals show. And for some reason, this popped up in my Twitter feed. I don't know why. I watched them like I found my comeback win right there. It was a crazy game. I remember seeing the headlines at the end of the next morning. Um, so that's my biggest win. We called that the comeback uh, segment. And <laughs> been a lot of comebacks for that, for the biggest win for us. Been a lot of comebacks. No, yeah. And then we're on to worst loss. I'll quickly do mine. Uh, mine was a 5-2 loss at the Flyers at home on March 4th. The reason why it's my biggest loss was because at the time, we didn't even know if the season was going to be ended, but we knew COVID was a thing. Flyers were marching and marching, slowly getting to the Capitals in the standings. And the Flyers were on their crazy one. They finished uh, the game. They won 5-2. to two. The uh, Capitals lost. Uh, finished, uh, Philly finished the season 3-0-1 versus Washington. That was the season series. So if you're the Capitals, you may be afraid to see the Flyers in the playoffs. But obviously, this is new chartered waters, uh, a bubble. You're playing in Toronto, no home fans. So obviously... Uh, that statement can kind of be put out, thrown out the window, but at the same time, uh, they struggled against the uh, Flyers this year, so maybe uh, they can turn that around in the playoffs. And while this whole streak, while before this game, the Cats were six nine and one during its past past sixteen games at that time. So uh, all in all, I put together this was their worst loss of the season, and clearly they could not figure out Philadelphia this season. And like you said, you don't want to see them to the Capitals. You don't want to see Philadelphia in the playoffs. especially or any team. <laughs> or any team, especially the, after the way that they have been surging this whole season. Anyway, my biggest loss came on February 22nd, 2020. And Capitals fans know that this was the game that Alexander Ovechkin scored 700 goals. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, why is he picking this game? They only lost three to two. Yeah, they lost three to two. Um, two big things I want to mention. It was two one. Then Ovechkin tied it on seven hundred. Everybody in the arena. It was in New Jersey. It was at the Rock in New Jersey, and everybody in the arena was standing on their feet, and they were giving Ovechkin a standing ovation. Good. Best goal scorer we will ever see play the game of hockey. Uh, then with two minutes left, defenseman Demyon Severson scores, and that was the last goal to get. Capitals did have a couple good chances, but they couldn't capitalize. And my biggest reason that this is the biggest loss for them is that you kind of expect the team to rally and surge around Ovechkin after that huge milestone, and they just couldn't put it together. And it's, that's the only reason why it's a big loss. Ovechkin had a huge milestone that game and the team just could not surge around him. And that kind of upsets me. I think uh, Washington should have won that game after a big comeback, which you can't get a happy ending every time. No, exactly. That was going to be my point if you didn't bring that up. Obviously, when you see big milestones like that, you want to win the game, obviously. So, obviously, there's not always happy endings. But like I said in the beginning of the show, Capitals had a shaky season. There's no way around it. So, that was our biggest losses. 
So now to wrap up the Washington Capitals, we always end the show with all the teams with a question. And ours kind of goes around our biggest disappointments. Will Nicholas Backstrom and Brandon Holpe come back and win big I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> will Nicholas Back will Nicholas Backstrom and Brandon Holpe step up and help this team in the playoffs and forget about the disappointment season? Uh, I want to mention one thing about uh, those two. I have some playoff stats for them. You know I'm a stats guy. Uh, last year, I want to mention Holpe first. He played seven games, started all seven for the Capitals. He won three, lost four. Had a 914 save percentage and a 267 goals against with one shutout. Uh, which is good. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, even though you lost that series, you're still putting up a, a 914 and a 267, which is good. A uh, whole big career wise for playoffs has uh, 88 games played, 80, 89 games played, 87, 88 starts. He has 48 wins, 41 losses, uh, with a, a career 928, 209 goals against, seven shutouts, which is very, very good, very solid, considering you've had some tough disappointments in the playoffs in the past seasons. Very solid for a goaltender of his stature. Poor Nicholas Backstrom. Oh, not to mention, uh, two seasons ago, they won the Stanley Cup, and he was a starting goaltender. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, last season, he played seven games in the playoffs with five goals, three assists for eight points, uh, four penalty minutes, and he averaged uh, 20 minutes and 57 seconds time on ice total. So very, very solid for him. Uh, after 11 years in the NHL, all with the Capitals, he has a career 123 games played, 36 goals, 70 assists for 106 points in the playoffs. That's a career with career – 58 penalty minutes and a total of 21 minutes about on the dot, rounded up to about the five. So around 21-10 for him. I, I think that if, if um, Holpe can get his mind right, if he can find his mind, I think he will start all games for the Capitals this season, this, this playoff run. I don't think they're going to give it to Samsonov. I know they want to, but I don't think they really should. Uh, and if Backstrom can just figure out what went wrong in the, in the regular season. If he can figure out what went wrong in the regular season, he can put it and be like, okay, yeah, I don't know what was wrong, but I have to figure it out. If he figures it out, I think the Capitals can go all the way. I've been stating this on my Twitter, and you can follow me at, at JaredM24 underscore. I've been constantly saying that a lot of people are sleeping on the Capitals when it comes to this playoff run. And the reason I think that is because of Holpe and Backstrom having down years. But I, if the Capitals are going to go anywhere in these playoffs, they need both of those guys to come back and play really, really well, play to the back of their uh, baseball card. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just like to say baseball because it's easier baseball to say. It's, it's hockey card just sounds weird. Um, <laughs> hockey card doesn't roll off the top. Yeah, it doesn't, no. So if they want to ultimately get that second cup, they need those guys to play. And people need to stop sleeping on the Capitals because I arguably think they have the best power play lines in all of hockey. 
when you can throw out guys like TJ Oshie, Alexander Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, John Carlson, and then like a Jacob Verana or a Lars Eller or a Tom Wilson, that's scary. That's really scary. So I'll wrap it up with this. I think if I think they can come back, it's just a matter of maybe did this pause help them, or it's just a matter that maybe they're hiding injuries that they don't want to know, that they don't want their team to know. But all in all, I believe in these two guys. They're big franchise pieces. I, I, I put a lot of faith in Backstrom. I think it was just that it was tough to get a rhythm this year because of his eight games that he missed. This, this team has been together for so long. That line chemistry with Ovechkin, uh, Backstrom, and Wilson will come. And Oshie. And Oshie. They're one of the most underrated teams. So I believe in them. And I truly believe, I'll mention this when we talk about, we preview this playoffs again. Watch out for the Capitals, man, because they are a good team. So that's the Washington Capitals episode on the On Man Rush podcast. We have a couple announcements, but before I make those, I just want to make this clear as well. I forgot to mention in the round of the week, and I think it's important for you hockey fans to know. If you guys don't know, this Monday at 5 p.m. is the deadline for players to opt out. So keep an eye on your keep an eye on your teams. Keep an eye on those alerts. I'm obviously we're not going to kill any player for dropping out because this is obviously uncharted waters. No one knows what really is going on, um, and it's a health issue. It's a big risk. And again, I just want to make this clear as well. We are excited that hockey's officially back, but anything can happen from here on out. We're just hoping for the best. We hope that all the players and families stay healthy, and we just hope that we can. Uh, lower the curve and really see hockey play because we we're, we miss sports. We miss all the sports, especially hockey. So just want to make that clear as well. We've already had one player opt out. I want to mention Travis Hamanick of the Calgary Flames have decided to opt out. And last night, uh, the Flames did release a statement that Hamanick decided to opt out. I didn't get into reading it, but I saw that uh, after Hamanick. I thought maybe Hamanick uh, says I'm not, I, I assumed it had something to do with the playoffs, and he did announce that he would not be playing, worrying about the safety of himself and the safety of his family. Which so that's all, uh, all, all props to him. He wants to no. do the right move. He did the right move. Exactly. So, again, it's a tough decision for these players and these coaches to opt out or stay. So that's that. So now for our, our Onman Rush podcast announcements, uh, about two of them. Uh, last week after our show, we got uh, asked if we could do the New York Islanders for the next episode. And you guys are probably wondering if you guys have been staying tuned. By the way, if we have loyal listeners out there, we want to appreciate you guys uh, listening every single week, weekend that we drop a new episode. Um, we were going to do the Islanders. It's still up in the air. Normally, you guys, if the loyal listeners know, we go east, west, east, west, east, west. We looked at our calendars after that hockey was announced and we're like, August is closer than we think. And we're obviously not going to be able to give a team their each individual episode. So we're working behind the scenes to figure out how we're going to do this. Um, we may put two teams on one show. We may do three. If we do three, we're really going to have, we're going to try to change up our show. So we don't know how we're going to do this, but we're working behind the scenes. Uh, but we're just excited to get these co- this content out for you guys because we're just excited that sports are officially coming back, hopefully, if everything goes right. And just a second announcement. Um, if we do, we may stay in the East, and it, we think it's only fair 
that we wrap up the top teams in the East because we did already most of the top. We already did the top two teams in the East already with the Capitals and the Bruins. So we, we were thinking might as well finish the top four teams in the East and go Tampa and Philly next year. It's not confirmed. We'll keep you updated on Twitter at the uh, underscore on man rush on Twitter. Um, stay tuned for updates for that. We'll let you know what team episode is up next because we really don't know what we're going to do, but because we want to give ourselves at least two weeks, two weeks to preview the qualifying in the Stanley cup. We think, that's important because we want to give you the, the teams that we are going to pick during these playoffs. Um, obviously, we did that. We kind of previewed it in the first two episodes, but that was a long time ago. Opinions can change because we don't, at that time, we didn't know who was going to opt out and who was going to opt in. So those are things to keep an eye on as the next couple of weeks unfold here at the Odd Man Rush podcast. So again, Nothing's confirmed yet, but we're going to see what we're going to try to do because we want to try to get all these playoff teams some airtime because we want to recap their season and then ultimately get into the playoffs. One thing I want to mention is that uh, this may have been the last episode for key additions and subtractions. And if we do three teams, it also might have been the last for the biggest win and biggest loss. We're still going to keep the season recap. We're going to keep around we're going to keep an around the league segment if anything big has happened and we're obviously going to keep disappointment surprise and mvp it's again nothing set in stone yet but i can guarantee you that we're going to try to find a way to get all these playoffs some playoff teams some air time i don't know how we're going to do it but we're going to figure out if it kind of changes the whole type of the show instead of doing this whole recap thing we could, we'll try to become creative and maybe do something else to kind of implement a lot of these teams. We don't know yet, but we're constantly working on, working it on for you guys. So if you want to follow us, you can follow me at JaredM24 underscore on Twitter. You can follow the show at, at the Odd Man Rush underscore on Twitter. And you can, Caden, uh, what's your Twitter handle? You can follow me at Belint underscore Caden. All right, so we want to thank you guys for listening. Again, we want to thank all the loyal listeners to listening to us. We're really happy that you guys are enjoying our show. Uh, stay tuned on Twitter. We will now, we'll keep you updated during the week about what team's coming next. It's either going to be Tampa, New York, or we'll go back to the West. Again, it all depends on how we kind of work things out here. But this was Episode 7, Episode 5 of the Team Podcast, the Washington Capitals. For Jared McCabe, that's Caden Bullen. Uh, this was episode seven of the Admin Rich Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk to you next week.